his word in order for our lives to really bear fruit and um, in order to overcome all the snares of the um, enemy. And, and I strongly believe that the only um, entry point really that the enemy has into our lives is through our thoughts. So if we can think godly thoughts, we really close off the entry points um, for the enemy. I think even, even with um, physical attack, it very often can start or, or there can be an entry point in the, in the way we think and the kind of ungodly beliefs that sometimes we have. And so what I really want to do today is, um, is just open my heart to you really and share with you uh, the journey that I believe that God is taking me on. And um, if you want a heading for today, it's really um, moving in a sense from the mind of Christ, but it's the very, it's the battle for the mind. It's the same kind of issue, but it's about embracing the heart of the Father. And what I really feel he's been speaking to me a lot about is turning away from judgment and uh, criticism. So what I've done, because I don't want to take a lot of time this evening, I've given you handouts because I'm not going to draw attention specifically to all the scriptures that are on there, but it gives you a chance to go away and think a little bit more about um, the things that I'm saying. And I want to start by saying that this book is not worth the paper it's written on unless it really changes the way I live. So unless it gets right through to my heart and has an impact in my whole life, then, yeah, I might as well lay it to one side and not bother with it. It's of no value unless it really changes the way that we live. Now, I believe that it's actually very, very powerful. And um, in the word, we know that it is described as a sword, a living um, two-edged sword. And, and that's certainly been my experience. Now, the declaration that we've been making sort of this month with the theme of revelation and the word has been um, Psalm 119, verse 105. Now, actually, it so happens that this is um, a scripture that is very close to my heart. Um, Thirty-seven and a half years ago, uh, Ian and I got married. At that time, um, I used to, well, and after that time, I used to sometimes write, write songs. And uh, I wrote a song for our wedding, and um, it was based around this scripture, you can be relieved. I'm not going to sing it to you. <laughs> but no, no. But the um, no, you're not going to persuade me on that one. Uh, but the word, <laughs> the, the the words really, are the, the the main core of it was: Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn to confirm it. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thus will I keep your law. Oh, how I love your law, my meditation all the day. I turn back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. And um, do you know, I, I, I don't know why it came to me to write a song around that. But I, I didn't know much, I think, in those days. I don't think I understood particularly about declaration. But I can look back now. And I can say that that was a declaration 
that I made over my life and over our marriage. And it's proved to be very, very um, powerful. And um, it, it's interesting in the words in that because, I mean, some people would say, oh, law, law, I'd, I'd much rather go for grace. But, you know, it, when, in, in the Psalm 119, when it's talking about God's law, I do believe it's talking about his commands and the whole spirit of, of what he wants for us, not, not actually legalism. And I guess at that time, I mean, his word was important to me. Certainly, I had from the outset of my Christian life, which has been about 41 years or so now, I had a great passion. I had a very uh, dramatic um, coming to the Lord. And and I remember the night when I, I I didn't know anything about being born again. I didn't know what was happening to me, but I did know that suddenly God had moved from the outside, somewhere out there, to the inside. And, and it's been, uh, you know, I've had a great passion to follow him um, ever since. And, and it's something about that has driven me to really want to know him and know the person of Jesus. And uh, it's not always been true in my life that I've necessarily really sort of loved or, or read a lot his, his word. And there was a time, um, you know... F- early on in uh, fairly early on in my married life you know where uh i i actually reached a point where i never read the bible and i actually didn't ever really pray in the sense of in any formal way i think it might have been a reaction to sort of some of the perhaps some of the legalism we encountered um around in our in our early days um as christians but I always passionately loved the Lord. And then one day, I remember uh, um, sitting in my bedroom, I remember him speaking to me and saying, do you know, you, you learn about me, you hear about me, um, you, you know, follow me, but it's all secondhand, and I want to relate to you one-to-one. I want to relate to you firsthand. And it was like a revelation, and there was a great stirring in me, and I began to, again, really hear God very personally, and he stirred up the prophetic in me, which was there anyway, but it had perhaps sort of gone a little bit dormant. And um, he really stirred that up, and I had an amazing time just hearing him and walking with him. And then um, a few months later, I I went into a real wilderness experience, and I don't need to go into, you know, the reasons uh, for that, but uh, it was a very, very difficult time where I lost all sense of the presence of God. And it was like I was clinging on with my fingernails, knowing that his hand was somewhere there underneath me, but feeling nothing. And I often would be just tearful in meetings because I hated not being able to feel the presence of God. And it's one of those times that I would put in the category, I don't ever want to go back to that. And yet there is a sense in which I wouldn't have missed it for the world because it proved something to me. Um, at that time, I had uh, you know, a wonderful husband, two uh, at that stage lovely children, and um, it wasn't enough for me 
without the sense of the presence of God, it just wasn't enough for me. Um, You know, I, I was happy in that sense, but I couldn't, couldn't be fulfilled without that sense of the presence of God. And perhaps in that time, I learned that it was really true for me to say in my life that um, that God was more important to me than anything else. And we can say those sorts of things, but sometimes we have to go through experiences that prove it to us. And in that time, I think God was doing a very, very deep plowing in my life. And I think it was a lot to do with law and, and grace and revealing to me that uh, one of the key things that came out for me was that if I was the biggest failure in the world, he would not love me any less. If I was the greatest success in the world, he could not love me any more than he loved me. And and that just really touched my heart. And I I came out of that um, time. So I just give you that little bit of background to show you perhaps a little bit of why God's word is, is so important to me. And and I would say that God is very, very interested. I've described to you there a time of very deep plowing. He is interested in transforming our hearts. He's interested in transforming our minds. But the transforming of our minds, I think, is to really get to our hearts. Now, when I say heart, obviously, I, I don't mean the literal physical heart. I think we use the term heart probably to refer to our most deep-seated emotions, desires, our our will, the real core of who we are. And so I would say he really wants to transform the core of, of who we are. And it's actually our heart attitudes, it's what's deep inside that will guide our thinking and will guide our behavior. Now, I think that the culture of this world is, is actually, it is judgment uh, and it is criticism. That, that's really the way things are in the world. You know, the wet whole way we think, the way we joke, I think it's very, very strong in our culture in particular. We're very judgmental um, of, of other people and it does something maybe uh, we think we, we do this because if we can compare ourselves favorably to other people, maybe it makes ourselves feel better. It kind of does something temporarily for our self-esteem, but it actually isn't really very satisfying. And I think, uh, and, and whereas what we've been learning about in the church is the culture of honor, the culture of the kingdom of God, I think, is grace and it's mercy. And I think that judgment is so ingrained in our culture that we've accepted it as normal. We've just got used to it. And um, God started to speak to me um, Uh, I think particularly strongly in the last um, few months, actually, uh, about the need to become more sensitive to critical attitudes and to replace those critical attitudes with a desire to bless. Now, we've talked a lot in church about blessing and speaking out blessings and, you know, community blessings, speaking blessings into the area where we live. And we can speak blessings into our own lives and into our own families. And we can speak blessings into the people that we work. Whether they know the Lord or not, we can have influence in their lives by speaking blessing over them. That was quite a revelation, I think, to me that was very powerful to realize that. And um, so I really want to replace 
uh, and become sensitive to any time I'm feeling critical, feeling judgmental, and I really want to pull back from those attitudes. So what I'm sharing with you now is really a journey in my life. It is not a destination. It is not a place I have reached, but it is a or work that God is doing in me. And so I'm a work in progress, like all of you. And um, I also think, well, well, God actually said it to me when, uh, you know, when I was journaling quite recently, that criticism and judgment flourish in the church. I'm not talking specifically about this church in particular. I'm talking about the church overall, the church worldwide. Um, criticism and judgment flourish in the church and this ought not to be and I think he wants us to learn to appreciate the best in people and value their qualities so that we bear patiently with their weaknesses Um, in my in my uh, job um, as, apart from being a uh, being an educational psychologist, I am a senior management a manager in our service. And if you're in, in any kind of management, you know um, how easy it is to be ground down by the you know attitudes of other people and their complaints. And if you're in church leadership, you know it probably more than anyone. You know how people will complain, and it's always your fault, and you'll never get it right, no matter how hard you try. And it's very tempting. You know, sometimes to feel a little bit, uh, I don't know, you can just get a bit ground down by that and you can feel some of those attitudes yourself, you know, towards other people. And um, and uh, I've, I've been through some, you know, very difficult changes at, at work and really had to sort of keep faith in, in, in the change process itself and in, in my folks. But... As I have determined to really be um, humble before them, to really listen to them, to, to, not, to really look for the best in them and not to be at all critical. And there we all have areas where we're less strong, but to kind of overlook those and lay them to one side, not to focus on them. I've seen a real change in, in my office. I've seen a real change in my team. And... Um, So I think it's a really powerful journey to go on. And uh, (laughs) when when God was talking to me very recently after Christmas about this and and about really focusing on the best in people and really spotting when uh, if I was had negative feelings, he said to me, how would it be for you? How would it be for you if I continually focused on your areas for improvement? Um, how would it be for your self-worth? How would it be for your sense of self-efficacy if I always focused on your areas that are for development, your areas for improvement? Uh, and, do you know, I, I realise that, you know, when God addresses my areas of weakness, which he does through my process of journaling, he never, never puts me down and he never, never writes me off. What he does is, is point out good little things to encourage with me with my potential to overcome. It's always to build me up. It's always about his, him encouraging me and, and having faith in me um, to, to really experience his best. And this is not about living by rules. It's not about right, 
you mustn't have a critical thought. Right, I must work very hard not to have a critical thought. The, the more I do that, I'm sure the more critical thoughts I will have. Um, it, we can't live by rules, but it's about desiring right choices because I really want to follow God. Not because I have to, but because I really want to. Because that passion is drawing me. Because it's, it's his love. If I'm really in love with him, it's only because his love has really overwhelmed me and captured my heart. Um, and, you know, I said about the culture of this, this world, and I may have said it in, in church before, but I'm very struck. I, you know, when, when you, I watch... When I watch the news, for example, if there's been a dreadful crime and the um, suspected uh, perpetrator of that crime is taken to uh, court, and if it's been a, a murder, and particularly a child murder, or if it's been a whole series of murders, do you know what we see in this country? We see crowds outside throwing tomatoes, hurling abuse. I was very struck last um, year about the, the, the dignity of the Norwegian people through the Anders Breivik trial. Very struck by that we saw none of that as he was taken back and forth. And I was, I was just mentioning that in a, in a course that I, of training that I was doing, and somebody said to me, do you know why that is? I said, well, tell me, why, why do you think that is? And she said, it's because the Norwegian people always believe that anybody can improve, that anybody can change. Now, I, I don't know whether that is, is so, or, or, but it makes sense. And actually, that is what I believe. Anybody, it doesn't matter, the worst sinner can really be redeemed. It's not for us to write anybody off. Now, what I'm going to do is use Matthew chapter 7 as a key chapter for this word. And, and so, starting with Matthew 7, verses um, 1 to 5... Um, We've got a scripture here. I know it's a little bit sort of um, dense in text there, but it's basically about don't judge others and you won't be judged. Judging others is a very dangerous pastime. And, And God says very clearly, you know, if you judge others, then you open yourself to judgment. And if we move a little further down that chapter and we look at verse 12, we come across what we all know as the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would be done by. Treat others as you would like to be treated. And that's really um, what God wants for us. And, and what he says about that is that that is the actual, it actually sums up the whole of the law and the prophets. So all those um, law-giving books in the Old Testament, all the words um, through the prophets are summed up in that principle, treat other people as you want to be treated. And what that means is, I honour God when I honour others. But if I criticise other people, I'm actually criticising his workmanship. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have a right to do that. So we're, I, I said before, we're all a work in progress. So if I see somebody and I focus on the negative things I see around them, you know, I can really be a block to their progress. I can be a building block um, 
uh, I can I can block their progress. So I need to make a choice. I can either be a building block to their progress to help their progress by encouragement, or I can impede their progress by tearing down. When we criticise, we are tearing people down. Even if we don't say it to their faces, we are tearing people down. We are speaking curses over them, actually, and we are doing damage to ourselves. And God has really been showing me how we need to respect others because I don't know what he might be doing in their lives. Even those who don't yet know him, I don't know what he's doing in their lives. Now, even when they may be a little bit clumsy, they might, might, they might say something that offends me or do something even which hurts me, um, I don't know, but their motivation may have been honourable. They may just not have gone about it in a very good way. So, the challenge that I'm sort of trying to rise to really is to notice um, uncharitable attitudes in myself and to really pull back from them. If we look at Matthew 7, 13 to 14, um, this is the passage about, you know, the narrow and difficult path. It's very easy for us to live in the ways of the world and it's much, much harder to break the patterns that we've grown up with and the patterns that we've known in our own families and really do the will of the Father. Um, And what it says is that actually only a few discover this kingdom way of living because this is the very thing that the enemy will always use to try to keep us back. And when we are critical, when we are negative, we also get his accusing voice. See, what kind of Christian are you, you know? Um, and uh, so we've, been, we've grown used to criticism all around us, receiving it and giving it. And even when it's not spoken, it's ingrained in our thought patterns. And this is the culture of the world. But I really feel that God wants to purify the church and demonstrate a different way of living that runs counter to cultural, um, you know, that, the, uh, cultural patterns, cultural trends. Now, although it says it's very difficult, God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't give us the means to do and the power to do. And, and it's really important to hold on to that. He wants to change us so that our intuitive responses are love, compassion, understanding, tenderness. It's not an easy road, but it is possible. I believe it's possible with the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I noticed that you know, since I started to take this seriously and I'm going back a while, I know that I respond differently to things on the news. I'm much more moved by tragedies that happen, disasters that happen, thinking compassionately of the people affected. When I see dreadful crimes, I, I'm, I tend to think whatever happened in that person's life to bring them to that place to commit that crime. And And... I think God wants from us, I would see this as a different kind of fast, if you like. We Sometimes we do fast, don't we, from maybe from chocolate, maybe from alcohol, maybe from food, maybe from television. 
This is a fast not from external influences, but from inner influences. And um, I want to become much more sensitive to the roots of other people's abrasiveness. Um, And through tender-heartedness, in my attitudes, allow God to use me to bring healing and deliverance to the lives of others. So if I will let him work on the hurts in me and the wounds in me, I will be more equipped to really help to minister his grace in the lives of others. And, and I, know, I know God's pattern with me is always to say, make me live through something in order that I can then speak about it with life. There's um, in verses 15 and 20 of Matthew 7, um, it talks about recognizing a tree by its fruit. And the point is this, that just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. You can identify the heart by what people say and what people do. I know that life's pressures will expose who I am by the way I respond. Trials will come. Challenges will come. Very difficult situations will come because God never promised anywhere in the world, uh, in his word that if we gave our lives to him, um, all troubles would depart from us. But what he did promise was that his spirit would be sufficient to take us through. So life's pressures will come and they'll expose who I am by the way I respond. My reactions will give away what's really on the inside. Sometimes I don't like my reactions. Sometimes I'm not very proud afterwards of my reactions. Um, you know, even if it's just things that I've thought. And, and I know that I need to build up the inner man by feeding on God's word and growing through its application in my life. And I know that I need to resist temptation to entertain ungodly attitudes. Um, By repeated good choices, healthy habits are formed and a wholesome uh, lifestyle is established. So it's by making the right choices when, when we feel that little prompting of his spirit that says, don't think like that, don't go there, don't do that. If we say yes to that and we pull back, every time we do that, we're beginning to establish a new habit and and a habit that will really stand us in good stead for life. If we give in to the temptations, we sort of undermine what God is doing um, in us. It's not the end of the world, but it just undermines the process a bit, takes a little bit longer. So by repeated good choices, um, I can develop healthy habits in my lifestyle. Um, I w- the, another scripture I wanted to sort of take us to is Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, which is a scripture which talks about, you know, well, what are we going to do? do does God want offerings from us? Does God, what kind of offerings uh, does he want um, from us? And uh, was it six to eight? You know, what, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then this is the key verse. He says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, you know, he wants us to learn to do what is right. He wants us to love mercy and shun criticism and to walk humbly before him and before other people. So it's really about living to please God. Um, Ephesians 4, verses 29 to 32. It's again probably lots of text there. But this is really about learning not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And... And I think that um, the key sort of of verse in there is, is verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that's probably striving, you know, striving with the not good motives, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. I so want my thoughts to be pleasing to him. They aren't always pleasing to him. I want them to become increasingly pleasing to him. And, you know, the final scripture to to, to wrap this up, I, I, I draw uh, our attention to 1 Corinthians 13. That's an amazing chapter, isn't it? All about love, faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. And verse 5 in particular tells us that love doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. By that, I mean, seek its own, its own will, its own way. I think that talks about selfishness. Love is not provoked. And love thinks no evil. God is love and he really wants us to have his heart. And, and we can't do that of our own effort. But we can, uh, I think, more and more get hold of the heart of God as we read his word and we read it and sort of think, what are you saying to me? What changes do you want to make in my life? Yes, okay, that's hard, but I want that. I embrace your word. Holy Spirit, I want you to change me. I want you to give me your heart of love so that I don't judge, so that I don't criticize. Do you know what I've noticed is when I do those things, it just brings up a little bit of a barrier between me and God and the more I do it the more there's a barrier and I don't sense his presence so easily but when I respond to situations with grace with mercy with kindness with good wholesome thoughts looking for the best blessing other people I just feel the peace of God the joy of his presence and um, and really that's just what I wanted to share with you today that's it really just And I just wonder, actually, how many people that might have just resonated with. And there's no pressure on that. I just wonder if you feel if that's really resonated in your heart. I wonder if you might 
even like to stand if you can stand. And I would just like to really pray over you and speak a blessing over you. If that's something that you sort of that's caught you and you think I, God's really quickening something in me to that. Well, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is a sword which just pierces right through. Ah, and it is life to us. And I thank you for your word. And I bless you as you make decisions to walk in the ways of the Lord and to really open your heart to him as you embrace this word I bless you to experience the release of the Holy Spirit I bless you to become more sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit I bless you to know his touch and to know his power enabling you to walk in his paths, to walk that narrow way. I bless you to know his life-giving power that moves you with compassion towards those who are in need. I bless you to experience in greater and greater measure his love for you that you might love others with the love which he has given to you. I bless you to walk in forgiveness. I bless you to walk free from judgments that you may not be judged. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come on all of us now, Lord. Come on all of us now this evening and just stir in our hearts. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. And I just want to say that maybe during communion um, tonight, I'm really, I'll be around, and if anybody specifically would like some prayer on that, I'll be around and other people in the prayer team, um, in the um, pastoral care team will be around and we'll be willing to um, pray for you if anything has stirred in that.